0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they do their thing, how they hang in, how they keep it going, why they do it. That's the stuff I love to talk about. Today my guest is John Fleck. He is an actor and a writer and a performance artist. He has a new show that's showing at the Odyssey Theater here in Los Angeles called It's alive. It's alive. It's been described as a cabaret-style theatrical performance event. And I saw it the other night on opening night, and it is a trip. It's funny. Um... Cathartic because it has to do with the COVIDness of it all. And uh, it was really great to see him doing his thing and being in a live theater for the first time in a long time. It was great. And he's also been in all three of the modern incarnations of Star Trek, um, often playing aliens with very elaborate makeup. So we talk about that as well. But before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that there are now two ways you can listen to Dennis Anyone. You can listen as you always have on whatever podcast app you're using or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. For twelve ninety five a month, you'll get access to my show 48 hours earlier than The Average Joe's. You'll also be able to listen to a bunch of other great shows like The Derek and Romaine Show, Perfect Date with my friend Tom Goss, The Focus Group, The Adam Sank Show, and there's a lot more. So go to DNR Studios to learn more about it. And if you subscribe and say that Dennis Anyone is the show you listen to most, I'll get a little money. Yay, nothing wrong with that. I know we like to celebrate art here but commerce is okay too right um also here's something new and exciting ish i have my voicemail um that you can call and leave a voicemail for and i may play it on the show the number is 18886479653 and i have a very fun message to play at the end of this episode that that came in so there's a little tease for you also on social media i'm hensley dennis on twitter dennis c hensley on instagram I didn't get it consistent because I just couldn't. And there's also a Dennis Anyone Facebook page that I try to share fun things on here and there. So also I'm still hosting virtual game nights that, uh, that are a blast. You can learn more about those at youdon'tknowmylife.com. And um, I also want to mention that my theme music is composed by Mark Daniels and licensed through Placement Music. All right, that's all the credits. Here is the interview with John Fleck. Joining me now via Zoom, it's John Fleck. Actor, writer, performance artist extraordinaire, welcome to the podcast.
1: Why, thank you, Dennis. Lovely to be here.
0: So I just saw your show the other night, opening night. It's alive. It's alive. It's uh, here at the Odyssey Theater in uh, Los Angeles. It's a cabaret. It's an odyssey. It's uh, a bit of trauma counseling. Um, How would you describe it to somebody?
1: wow well i thought yeah you i I never heard trauma counseling but it's
0: all about what we've all been through in a way and what we're still kind of going through
1: trying to turn lemons into lemonade somehow uh, well, I, I, I like to call it, you know, uh, performative cabaret theater, uh, uh, you know, totally unpredictable. Yeah, it's hard to kind of pin exactly what it is, which I guess makes it a little hard to market it because what the hell is it? But um, I would call it a performance cabaret. That's what I would call it, yes. I love it.
0: Well, you have a lovely singing voice. Um, have you always loved to sing?
1: Well, um you know, I, I, I was late to the game here. You know, I, I tried to take an acting class in college at Cleveland state university. I was a business major, you know, and, uh, uh but I was so shy. I couldn't do it. But when I was, uh, about 23, I just got back from Europe. I went there by myself. i never left Cleveland, never been on a plane. I went to Europe for four months and I hitchhiked around I came back and I got a girlfriend. I was, I was very cool back then with long hair. This was in the, like, uh, you know, around 73. And, uh, 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 1973, uh, not to be confused with 1873, and uh, I had a a, a (laughs) girlfriend there who said she was going to California to to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and that I should, uh, uh, you know, apply. It was their first year moving here, a branch from New York, and uh, I thought, oh, my God, I had never, I was in, like, in a chorus in this play. It was my first time doing chorus work at the Lakewood Community Theater in 1973. So anyways, I thought, you know what? I, I was into making radical changes then. And I, so I, I drove across country, my little VW bug and I auditioned and they must've been desperate. They took me and then that just got me into the whole acting bug and, uh, realized I had some talent and then I just kept studying and studying, taking tap classes and voice classes and improv classes. Then I got in with, you know, Rachel Rosenthal and these more, you know, avant-garde folks. And, uh, And then bada-bing, bada-boom, you know, here I am a hundred plus years later doing what I'm doing. Doing your thing. But you went
0: from somebody who was so shy to even take an acting class to, like, this is going to be my life. Like, that seems like a
1: big uh, turnaround. I, I guess it was. Well, you know, it was the 70s. It was uh, those were radical days. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's funny. I saw an astrologer. When was it? Probably about 15 years ago. She said the smartest thing I ever did was uh, to leave Cleveland. Because <laughs> had I stayed in Cleveland, I probably I, I was a key punch. I could type 110 words a minute. So I, I was a little, 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 you know, right. Probably I probably were, I would have stayed working in an office. So um, so I came out here. And, you know, back then you could really live cheaply in California, you know, boy, my first apartment here in uh Pasadena when I was going to the American academy of dramatic Arts was $95 a month, you know. Oh man. Uh, that place today is probably about $2,200 right. a month.
0: And you yeah. had
1: a, a VW van? I had uh, not a VW van, just a little VW bug. A VW yeah.
0: bug is a dream machine. That's the yeah. car that well, you take when I, I, you're going to make your dreams come true.
1: Well, unfortunately, I didn't know you were supposed to put oil in in a car, <laughs> and uh, I got out here okay, but three months and the engine just froze up. So, um,
0: yeah. in "It's Alive," "It's Alive," you wear a fetching COVID headpiece that that looks like the image, the illustration that we all know of the thing. How do you get one of those? Do you craft it yourself? What's the oh, story with no, no. the headpiece?
1: We have a, an expert craftsperson, uh, craftsperson, costumer, Anne Klaus Farley. I mean, she's she's top notch, man. I mean, you know, she she's done a lot of big shows, and she's gracing us, you know, working for Peanuts on this. Uh, uh, so, Anne Klaus Farley, I, I owe it all to her, our look and everything.
0: I love it. So, how do you start to craft your shows? Because they're not necessarily linear stories. Right. They 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 kind of encompass a lot of different things. They're kind of like a collage and. What's, what, what's the step? Like, what do you start with? An Ooh, idea? What do you
1: start with? How does uh, it start? Well, you know, uh, David Schweitzer, uh, I even mentioned this in the show. I blame this whole thing on David Schweitzer. He pitched the idea to Beth Hogan at the Odyssey that we create a special event uh, that we were going to do in the parking lot in August of 2020 since all the theaters inside were closed. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, and we thought, well, we'll have like a little band and we'll have a couple dancers. It'll be like a cabaret, you know, special events, you know, to celebrate the resiliency of theater and everything. Anyways. Right. We're uh, still
0: here. We're making it happen somehow, somewhere.
1: The show must go. Yeah. On. And, and uh, I mean, my first ideas have nothing to do. I, I, I was envisioning mostly video cuz people were so Dude, that's okay you can't be in the shot my my partner is trying to hide
0: from That's you. all right pop yeah. in it's all right It's
1: <laughs> party um but, uh yeah, at first we were terrified. You know, the audience was not, you know, so, you know we thought everybody thought they were going to die if they right. congregated. So we were going to have a lot of video. I was going to do a lot of it from inside uh, in a dressing room and then finally make an entrance out there. And I was going to be like a monarch butterfly. It had nothing to do really with, with what it has to do now. So I guess, you know, when I... Called it's alive. It's alive. It truly is a, a living organism, and it, it's evolved into a, a shape that I we never imagined at first. And and you know, um, I mean, what was the very first? I usually tend like a song will hit me. I go, oh, I'm getting a lot of images from there, and then I will use that like because the the little kind of foundation upon which to build. So I, I, I got some music, which I liked, which we're not using in this original one, but it got me going on this whole COVID molecule journey. Right. and uh, And instead of them being the enemy... They're actually here on a mission to save humanity. You know, their 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 motives had been misconstrued. Um, um, so yeah. anyway, so uh, and, you know, so here we are. And, and I keep and if I were to continue to do it, it would keep evolving and probably morph into a different shape. I, I have a hard time letting things just just rest. I, I just want to keep uh, evolving, so to speak.
0: I love it. Well, I took a couple of notes on my hand when I was watching the show, but then I get home and I don't remember exactly what they mean. Why did I write down devil music?
1: Devil music. Well, at, at one point, and this is a new section, you know, we did a workshop in September, and I, I wanted to make the Proud Boy character, this right wing as conspiratorial guy, a little bit more human. So I created like a flashback. Uh, how did he kind of the, these seeds get planted in him? Oh, that, <laughs> yes. To, okay, to I remember I,
0: that section is really powerful. Now it's, it's yeah, that was yeah. a brand new
1: section. Yeah, it's a miracle at work. So yeah, the father kind of like did not take kindly to uh, to the mother playing uh, black music in the in the household.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, looking at your your body of work, you've done a lot of great mainstream television, and then you do your own performance art type stuff and your own personal shows. Does having your own shows make make the hustle of getting work does it does it help keep you sane to have something that's yours where you're not waiting for the phone to ring
1: oh oh totally god you know i have such great empathy for for actors who who don't have a a, a means of expressing themselves and just have to you know wait and keep doing zoom after zoom of self tape auditioning and just you know waiting for some validation at least here I can let my, you know, my artistic kind of whatever impulses come through. So I'm so grateful I have this. And, you know, I've always been able to separate, you know, the TV film from my, from my own work. My, my own work, I always felt, you know, I, I came from the punk kind of performance art happening. And it had nothing to do with TV. And I, I never expected casting people. Or it, It's really an anomaly that I managed to have a TV film career because they never came to see any of my work, really. But once I started getting some infamy you know, with the NEA four, like they say, any press is good press. And I remember Steven Botchko, um, may he rest in peace, uh, uh, he cast me in my first TV series in, in uh, 1995 called Murder One, and I remember his wife, uh, Barbara Boston, who was on the show, and said that they had read about my show at Mocha, even though they didn't see it, but, you know, and, and they heard about all the, you know, Jesse Helms. I go, yeah. oh, really? And, and you still brought me in, and you know, I remember back in the days, I'd go in after the whole 98th, before I'd go on auditions, you know, and then some, you know, they say, no, don't go peeing on the furniture, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess uh, you know, but like Barbara Bosman said, hey, any press is good press. And uh, anyways, it got me in the room, and uh, I guess I delivered the goods, and they hired. Me, so, hey.
0: I'm heartened to hear that because I like to think that when four artists stand up and really take a stand for the creative community, other creative people would say, hey, that's cool. Let's take a meeting. Like, but I don't think that always happens with situations like that. I know I had something not like that, but a similar dynamic in my own life, and the doors didn't open um uh-huh. and so uh-huh. i think that's well, that cool. was one door <laughs> exactly yeah, so they're, give it up for <laughs> <laughs> it was one door but, it, but it mattered oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um i i'm very interested in that period of time because i was reading a bit about the show that you did it was called blessed or all the little fishes yeah. and what would what would you say the show was about or just in a nutshell uh-huh. what was the show that got you into so much trouble
1: God, it's always I always have such a hard time with people. What is the show about? But I can I can tell you about the the genesis of it. I I, I was I did a club performance uh, with this uh, performance group called um, Theater Carnival. and they did a thing here in Silver Lake at Olio. It was a club back in uh, eighty uh, eight I believe. And the theme was Fish Night. Fish Night. Right. So, of course. Okay. And I had to come up. Uh, Johanna Wentz was on the bill. You know, a lot of performance art types, myself included. So fish. Night. Okay, so I found a toilet uh, on the street, a discarded toilet. I go sure. the wheels, and I had a little like a, a fish, a mermaid, a bottom somebody had made for me. So I came out on the toilet bowl. Somebody shoved me out on the wheels, and I'm drinking like a fish from a bottle in you know, my mermaid thing, and and and, and I just kind of uh, uh, had a meltdown, and then I. I remember kind of crawling to the toilet. Oh, I shed my tail. And then Jimmy swaggered. he was a big preacher at the time, just, you know, would say, oh, homosexuals, you will die. in hell, you were born. in hell. And I remember crawling to the toilet like, like it's an oasis and there's water and I start drinking from the toilet bowl. And just, you know, like, and I go, God, God, why did you desert me? You know, it's funny, so much of my work, it's profane and some might say obscene, but it's always had a spiritual yearning. Right. It. looking at you answers, know? looking for answers yeah.
0: and questioning things.
1: And, and so anyway, so through... Uh, Anyways, I, I vomited into the toilet bowl, and God answered me from the bowels. It was not me who forgot you. You for abandoned me. I don't know, or something like that. But anyways, a miracle started happening, and I, I got up, and a Bible was there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was the 80s, and I'm a punk performer. My, my penis emerged, and I ended up like golden showers in the, in the toilet as I'm reading the Bible. And then I reached out. I had little bowls in the toilet bowl, and then one little bowl was a goldfish. Right. Right. And I thought, I go, really, God, this is it? This is how you're going to answer my, 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 please, God, give me a reason for living. Anyways, it was a little goldfish. Anyways, I then a loaf of bread up here, and I started uh, having this epiphany and just, I started like, oh, so much love. It, it, it manifesting through this little goldfish and all this bread. I started shoving into a bowl, into a bowl. And meanwhile, the audience, you know, they start pounding their feet. Save the fish, save the fish. And some guy. I jumped up from the audience and just, I thought he was going to hit me. And I just backed up and started calling me all these oof, dirty names, rotten names. And, you know, and he, he took the fish. He just called me a, you know, motherfucking asshole. And he walked off stage with the fish and I thought, Oh my God. So, you know, uh, uh you know, <clears throat> I, I, I worked it in, thank God, you know, for my improv training. Right. Said, oh, he's such a good man. You know, he saved that fish. Well, what about the ton of fish that are dying each week in Santa Monica Bay? Cause they're pumping your shit out there. What about those fish? You <laughs> anyways, it saved the show. So so that so only that,
0: happened the one time where the guy tried to save the fish.
1: Well, I ended up doing the show The the taper at the time they were supporting new work, a uh, uh, Bobby. Egan, he brought me in to do a, a workshop at the taper too, uh which was at the Johnson Ford theater at the time. They they don't have that program anymore, but anyways, I, I reimagined bless all the fishes and expanded it with Dave schweitzer who's actually working with me on this show right and uh and uh and we hired somebody to create that moment storming out from the audience to to, you know to almost beat me up and everything so um i love it it
0: works so well we incorporated it every night
1: well, you know, back in the day, the performance art world, I mean, I remember Rachel Rosenthal, she said, always encourage things to go wrong on the stage because it's in your mistakes that you exhibit your humanity and the, you connect with the audience. So, so I love it like when people would walk out of the audience or, or lights would fall right. or everything would fall apart because you're working in it. And I think that's the... That's how I always connected to an audience. So, I think that's. Well, a, I don't even. I, I you don't totally. Know I am, you but, painted
0: a picture for sure. Okay. Um, I think that's a great philosophy for life. Like if you're not freaked out when things don't go perfectly, that you could just kind of roll with things. Do so you find that helps you off the stage? Right.
1: That's one one of my big yeah mantras that I strive for. Yeah, just. <laughs> Not trying to be perfect, it's embrace my imperfections, and kind of because that's my connection with humanity, with all of us. You know, instead of p- painting a real glossy kind of you know perfect little stage production, it's I, I tend to prefer sloppy <laughs> and, and, and alive, kinda, literally and alive. alive. It's alive. Yeah.
0: So as part of the NAA four, you were there with Tim Miller, Karen Finley, and Holly Hughes. You ended up all the way at the Supreme Court. What was we, that space like? What is it like to go to the Supreme Court?
1: Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say, uh, but I guess I'm not. T- I ended up not going to the Supreme Court, and I regret it to this day because my three compatriots went. But I had—I was working on a TV show, you wow. know. So I—I I was selling out here in Hollywood while they were fighting the fight. But I was still on the. <laughs> what on show the- were you working on? Oh God, what show was that? That was like '92. I don't know. I started doing a lot of um. You know, it's funny. After the any eight four, and I I got an agent because I was doing some theater, and uh, I started doing a lot of Star Trek uh, TV shows. Yeah,
0: I saw that you've so. been on all three of the modern ones, or all. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's amazing.
1: Only, only three actors it was done as many of the the freak roles. So I think that's what I was doing. So I was playing a, a monster up in Hollywood. You know. Anyways, it well, was they were fighting a fight, so um, so so yeah, we won the case. We won. We got our measly, you know, five thousand dollar grants. That's all that they. That's you know, what it
0: was all about. Was five thousand dollar grants. That's what it
1: was all about. So we got our five thousand dollar grants, you know, back. Uh, but then Bill Clinton appealed the uh, decision. It was like he threw a little bone to the conservatives, and uh, it went back to the Supreme Court, and and they said that the NEA could uh, uh, um, say that uh, standards of decency. Uh, are uh, uh, applicable to, to grant funding because back then they, they had no moral clause. So, right. so, so they they said that the NEA could, and then the NEA eliminated our, our our category for funding called new media. So, yeah, you know, it was a win and a lose. Right. So it was, it
0: was yeah. the whole thing. What's something unexpected that came out of the fact that you were one of the four, like Stephen well, Bosco, for example? How did how did it sort of pay off or not pay off in in random ways?
1: I remember an old buddy of mine, a performer uh, and writer, uh, Philip Littell, uh, after the NEA 4, he says, ah, now you're, now you got it made, you know. Let's right. That that moment, like, hey, this is great PR, you're going to, you, you know, can
0: dine out on this for the rest of your life, you can get jobs, people are going to be interested in it,
1: Right. Well, you know, there, there, it is, it does follow me around. I'll always be a footnote in art history books and I do tend to include it in all my bios. I mean, it was an important, you know, culture wars moment. Um, you know, on one hand, uh, uh, yes, it got me a lot of PR, but then again, a lot of performance spaces would not book us because they were afraid of booking us because right. they fund, would get picketers funding. or yeah, wow, and that's they a would lose their funding. So, um, and uh, in terms of Hollywood, I, I you know, I'm sure there were some who wouldn't bring me in because they thought I was a big old evil, whatever. Uh, But uh, there again, I I managed to start working a lot, you know, in the the early 90s. And that's, I'm so thankful because it afforded me financial uh, liquidity to perform my work that I never got any money for. Right, you
0: were able to do it. You were able to keep that that going. Was it, did it personally empower you in a way? Here's why I ask, like, I look at Liz Cheney now and what she's doing with the thing. And I think, you know... Sure. She's probably getting hate mail and mothers, but she knows she's doing the right thing. And I think that's valuable. I think you can't put a price tag on that for the rest of your life. Was there a feeling of like, I took a stand. Like, I don't know. Did it give you, did it make you feel good? Well, I I don't
1: know. I, yeah, I I kind of felt it gave me some validation, you know? And like, yes, I I wasn't just, uh, you know, being obscene to be obscene or to be, you know, because like I said, I had a punk aesthetic. I like to shock and awe, you know? But I, I, I always felt I had a bigger message and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, there was a couple of years after the, any, you know, the whole Senate, Jesse Helms thing and everything. I, I was talking to Holly Hughes and just like, man, we couldn't create anything because we were so busy defending, trying to defend who we were you because know, we got a lot of labels put on us, you know. Right. So um, so I guess it really made me look uh, and examine my work and try to define who define who I was versus how other people were trying to define me. You
0: know. Right. You had to figure that stuff out. Um, I was reading about one of your earlier performances at the one way bar. Um, that sounds like a really fun place that I wish I could go to right now. Uh, this was in Silver Lake, right?
1: Yeah, that was in Silver Lake on Hoover. Boy, it was rough and tumble back in those days. The uh, this was like around eighty. I think the first time I got on top of a bar and I opened for Edie Massey, the Egg Lady, the Egg
0: Lady from Pink Flamingos. Right?
1: Amazing. Right, right, right. And Jim Van Vantine, he was uh, the the DJ there, and uh, and he created this uh, like monthly event called Theoretical. And uh, so, yeah, I started doing that. And, you know, that was back when nobody had to- tattoos or piercings. So th- this was a hardcore pierced tattoo crowd. Right. Uh, mostly gay. The uh, the one way, it, it was pretty, it, it was a gay, uh, very light SNN. It wasn't, I hate the word SNN. What does that mean? But it, it had a different, you know, kind of sexy punk vibe, you right. know. But then he'd create these monthly things, and you know, like Eating Massey, you know, Mink Stole, and all these, you know, cult personalities right. and stuff. And uh, so, and, and I did a lot with a lot of my friends performing there. But yeah, that got me on the road to creating my own performance work. And then they started to get bigger and bigger, you know, uh, longer and longer after that. Couldn't shut me up once you got me started.
0: Once you got, were you nervous the first time
1: going up in front well, of that Sure. Ground? I mean, I, yeah, I was terrified because they, they thought. Nothing and throwing beer bottles at you or anything, so you know, I, I got on top of the bar and uh, I remember I I, I, I I pulled my pants down and I sang, There's no penis like show penis, so that got their attention, you know. And then, <laughs> well, I, it's I,
0: true, not, there really is no penis like show penis, that's true, it's just <laughs> you're just stating a fact, everyone knows
1: it. Even though, you know, it, there wasn't much to see. You know, like the fear, kind of, just, oh, my God, is what's there. But anyways, they, they didn't throw a beer bottle at me. And then I started, uh, uh, you know, I had a, a four-octave voice, so I'd sing like a Puccini aria, you know, and uh, and they loved that. And I'd float around with feathers, and yeah. you know, it was just wild and crazy. I loved it.
0: Out of curiosity, what was Edith Matthews, Massey's act like?
1: What was she Oh, geez. Show tunes? Like, what was she, oh, uh, Jen, uh, like, what's she doing? I had written a couple songs for her God, I right. can't remember what her songs were but, but people he, knew her from
0: the divine world or for the john john waters of course, yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like she kind of told little personal stories and stuff like that but she was just such an incredible personality and you know and she didn't do a lot like 20 minutes but hey that was uh i think that was my first uh theoretical one-way experience in 1983
0: <laughs> i love it when you go back and forth, do people that that hire you in Hollywood, if they know about your performance artwork, do they feel like, oh, this guy will go for it, this guy's going to do anything, or this guy will wear the crazy thing? Or in other words, do they kind of count on you to to not play it safe in a way?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I'm flashing back, you know, uh, in the early nineties, I mean, you know, like I did star Trek. I mean, I, I made a joke in in one of my shows, you know, I, I, play freaks and fags, you know, that's what Hollywood likes to categorize me as. Cause I play, you know, these monsters. Okay. And then all of a sudden now, uh, Stephen Botchko, I was hired as the, the gay secretary back then, you know, gays and TV were very kind right. of far in between. So, so, Hey, it was yeah.
0: Exotic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so- I mean, that, that's a nice word for the way. It, yeah. Got it. <laughs>
1: Right. So hey my my I guess my 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 legend or whatever it was did uh, kind of you know follow me where i went and uh, but hey i I got hired playing gay secretaries, but after a while though man it was I, I had to start saying no i i, I don't want to just play gay roles, you know, even though I kind of regret I was being very cocky at the time, turned down a lot of great opportunities and would have made a lot more money and probably been more famous, but whatever um yeah, you know Hollywood loves to typecast you, and I am uh you know pretty uh kind of extreme type, I guess. So, so they typecast me, but Hey, I, I cashed the check and it didn't bounce, you know,
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, I saw that you'd done a lot of the, the Star Trek stuff, heavy makeup, heavy costumes, heavy, like that's uh-huh. a whole thing, right? That's, that's a lot of sitting there.
1: You know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I used to describe it as torture pay, you know, and, uh, cause you know, you'd show up at, you know, four or five in the morning and sit in the makeup, Trailer for you know three four hours and, and then you know and then then I, I, I wear skin tight outfits and I remember you know one time doing stretch Star I started to get like a panic attack because you got these giant you know um, um, contact lenses and just yes. And- this glued all these prosthetics and the skin type thing. You can't even go to the bathroom unless somebody unzips you. And I thought, oh my god, I'm going to die. I'm suffocating. I really thought felt... So thank God I I know how you know transcendental meditation. I just breathe in, breathe out, and uh, hey, you know torture pay, torture pay. And I'm grateful for the residual checks that still come in. But uh, not everybody can do that. You right. know I don't think a lot of people could. You know. And I'm still doing it. I mean, I have a recurring role on Orville. I don't yeah. This this. Can the Seth MacFarlane thing. Right, right, right. You know, I've done three episodes, but once again, playing a monster with big eyeballs. Aliens are us, you know? Oh, God. What was but your hey,
0: favorite uh-huh. monster costume or alien costume where you look at yourself oh. and you're like, wow, that is really Well, I amazing. think uh,
1: when I did the HBO series Carnival. Yeah, you, know, you played Gecko. Played Gecko. And that was, you know, for full body, you know, they'd have to basically, I'd lay on a massage table and they'd start gluing, you know, my legs. And I just had like a little, um, you know, like diaper underpants kind of thing and the rest of my body would have to be and you felt like i i, I always got the image of like i'm like a rotisserie chicken and they slowly turn you and and you know they start gluing you and that would sometimes take up to six seven hours to get the makeup wow. on and at the end of the day it takes another three to get it off because you know they, they have to use all this stuff because it's not makeup i mean it is makeup but it's over prosthetics so they glue all this stuff and uh you know on the other hand and, you know, I'm kind of an old fuck here. And, uh, but it's made me look much younger because when they take this, the prosthetics off, it's all this alcohol and brushes. And it's like they're, they're pulling your, your uh, epidermis of skin off. You know, it's really, a really strange, strange feeling.
0: And you yeah. feel like it's had a good effect on your skin.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I think you look, I it. think
0: you look younger than you said you were in the play. So oh, there you go. Oh, damn flattery will
1: everywhere.
0: No, I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm I was very inspired by that. Uh, well, not that it's you know, all about aesthetics. Says, yeah, but... you should
1: tell people how old you are. But, you know, I like to say things you're not supposed to say. And I think, you know, I, I like being an age pioneer. I'm going to be 71 in May, you know. And I look fabulous. I'm healthy. And why not be proud of it? has got so many of my pals, you know, died of AIDS in the 80s. And here I am lucky. Why should I be ashamed of, you know, having survived and, and being a survivor and living this long? And looking good, too. Who says you still can't be a little, a little sexy when you're 70?
0: Yes, Rocking it out. The, the early days of the, the performance arts, when you first came to L.A., it seems like a sexy time, right? Before before AIDS came and oh it was boy, the 70s yeah. and people were just, I, yeah, that, right?
1: Pre, pre-herpes, pre-AIDS. <laughs> I mean, God damn, everybody was just having sex like crazy. And then the shit hit the f- then fan. Then the shit and hit
0: the fan. fan. And you were in L.A. at the time. The, 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 well, I was well, in L.A. You know, yeah. I'd always,
1: you know. D- dip my toesies in New York, you know. it right. was uh, my my primary home, and uh, but you know, come like eighty three, that's when AIDS really started to happen, you know. Yeah. And uh, ooh, it was strange. You're, you know, but damn, you know, the spirit talking about it's alive, it's alive. Our, our, the creative community and the spirit was really alive and maybe having that adversary kind of, kind of <clears throat> propels you to express yourself even more, you know? So it was a very creative time.
0: I love it. Going back to Star Trek a little bit, the vibe of that show is sort of egalitarian and open heart, like that, the whole philosophy of it. Is there something about you that, that feel, that you feel like is a good fit for that? Or do you feel that when you're working on those shows or is it just a gig?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a gig, uh, but uh, you know, I always try to, you know, as an actor, to what and you know, a spiritualist seeker. Yes, I always felt like yes. I I am in a way a monster, a misfit. Uh, someone who doesn't fit in with with other Earthlings, and and I'm having a voice here. I mean, usually they made me play a bad, you know, bad monster, but I would try to t- find the good side. Right, of course. Yeah, yes, yes, and you know, like uh, like for me working on Enterprise with Scott Bakula, you know, I, I was trying to prove that I was just as smart as he was and, and i i was gonna win you know with the, the, uh, win this battle you know and show them that you know that we are powerful and and anyways i always ended up you know getting in a fight What ha- i'd always end up on the bottom he was always on the top i was always on the bottom
0: you know what there but, are worse things in life than being underneath scott Bakula.
1: well you know he was a real sweetheart yeah
0: he was sweet right <laughs> And yes. uh, I like and 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 hot and uh, I'm into it. Yeah, um, I was uh, looking at your credits. You were in Tales of the City. Um, That's right. Yeah, uh, one of my favorites. What was that like? And what did you play?
1: Well, I played. Oh God, I, I remember Vincent. Vincent. I, I I ran the suicide hotline. Um, and I uh, I was in. The, I think a. a couple episodes, a few episodes of it. I, I ended up hanging myself. It's uh, funny, I worked on a suicide hotline, and then I don't know. <laughs> hanging myself. Uh, but I remember meeting Laura <laughs> here Linney. I, here
0: I was like, oh, let's, let's ask about a lovely gay project called Tales of the City. Oh, Tell oh, us something oh, heartwarming. Oh, oh yeah, I wish you and I hung myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh God. But I do remember, I, uh, Laura do Linney, who was a real doll, that was her first um, foray into Hollywood. She right. was from She had never done any TV or film. And uh and hello there, man. That was a great beginning for Laura Linney. Nice in-
0: nice person I met I got to meet uh once and, and was lovely. Um you talk about like getting fed up with some of the auditions that you were getting for the gay secretaries and stuff like that. What was that time like? What was the vibe like? Were they would you go in an audition and they were just not were they sort of awful or
1: Well... Uh, no, or was they, it? or
0: you would read them on the page and you'd be like, Oh, I just can't fuck I can't make this fucking work.
1: You know, I you know, I, I would do it. I was just I, I was playing the game, I was playing the game. One of the great things back then was, you know, maybe there were eight, ten actors that you were in competition with. Now there's no in-person auditions, so right. it's all self-tape. And and they'll see hundreds of self-tape, you know, just sentiment. Yeah. And they look maybe at three seconds, next, next, next. And it's, anyways, it felt like much more human experience back then. And, you know, part of, I I always felt like I booked because I could be somewhat charming and, you know, offbeat, you know, one-on-one with people, which I think they appreciated, you know. Um, um, Yeah, in terms of the gay characters, you know, it's like playing, you know, gays or, you know, these uh, aliens on Star Trek. I mean, I I try to make, (laughs) make them as human as possible. You know, so, um, anyway, you know, it was just that important for me. I, you know, I came to Hollywood and, and, you know, in 73, I wanted to be an actor and then I got into performance art and, uh, you know, I was still typing 110 words a minute. That's how I supported myself, you know, various temporary agencies and everything. So just to be able to support myself and doing TV and film, I was always very appreciative of it, you know? Yeah.
0: And you got some cool stuff on here. I, Waterworld? You're in Waterworld. Waterworld, I am yeah. Not, I am kind of a fan of that film, and I really loved the Universal when they would do the live Waterworld show. Is my favorite thing at Universal.
1: Oh, so. that's right. Do you Just remember that? Remember. I remember
0: I don't, that. I felt like they kept it around a lot longer than the movie was kind of in vogue, but... Uh, right, right, yeah. right, right.
1: What was that like? I had a great time. It was a very lucrative gig. that They moved yes. me over. Uh, like... Two days before that, my agent calls. Kate, you are leaving for Hawaii that the next day. Uh, be prepared to stay there for like a week or two weeks. I Ended up being there for almost four months.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, because and, it was uh, a troubled production. They kept you there forever.
1: Production. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I remember Jack Black. That that was one of his early uh, uh, film roles. And he came over, and they said, "You're only going to be there for two nights." So, so he didn't even bring a suitcase. He ended up being there for almost a month and a half. You know, so <laughs> amazing. <laughs> uh, and but you
0: were on Seinfeld?
1: Seinfeld. I did an episode of Seinfeld. What do you remember about it? Well, I remember, uh, not Keith Richards, what's the, the Michael guy? Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Yeah. <laughs> so, boy, boy, what a fall from grace that guy had. Wow. But hey, um, but I remember him uh, distinctly. He rode his bicycle. He said he wasn't buying a car because they were convinced it was going to be canceled. It was right. Or- <laughs> it right. wasn't doing well in the ratings, and he said, "Oh no, I'm, I'm not buying a car. This show's going nowhere." So ha ha ha. <laughs>
0: There you go. And Weeds, you had a recurring on Weeds.
1: All right, with uh, uh, Mary Louise Parker, who's uh, who's another doll. I tell you, man, uh, actors who start off in theater usually tend to be so much, I don't know, kinder and more human than just TV films. So right, nice. they're
0: like part of the community it's it's, yeah, it's more, they used know how to, sort to work of,
1: with you, you know yeah. it's ensemble it's not just all about being a star but I, and that's not true for everybody but that, that's what i find but she she was a real doll real sweet and kind and just amazed how she could just bing, just do it just be talking 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 that pink and then do five takes and each one is truly unique i go wow I, I was impressed by her talent
0: i love that now you've got a movie that you've shot recently called Tina Town. Tina Town, right? Yes. what's I play what's Tina right
1: Turner. I, I, I heavy makeup. Tina Turner. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm <teasing. laughs> I would watch that. I would be into that. Uh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's uh, a film about a uh, crystal meth, and I play this boy crazy kind of crystal lord kind of guy who's just really like woo out there. But it, it was fun, and uh, who knows? Will it ever see the light of day? We don't know.
0: You don't know, but it's all it's all cool. What, would, what have you learned about staying creative for a long, for the long haul and doing your thing? Like, how have you been able to kind of stay creative, stay motivated, and, and keep keep doing your thing?
1: You know, I guess you are. This is my swan song. I say this show is my swan song. But everybody says, John, you say that about every freaking show. You've, you've been, been doing swan songs I've for started. like a long time? All right. I know. Well, hey, if Cher can have a go, a yes. go away every time, why can't I? Exactly. But, um, but um why why do i keep doing it jesus cuz in a way I, it keeps me sane you know and uh, it it, it ena- enables me to just channel creatively all the the fear and all the world shit going on and, and give a voice to it. And, and I don't know, like I say, it's it in a way it's my religion in a way, or my, because it is, a, I, I think connecting, God, it almost sounds to uh, connecting with my, my higher power, so to speak, my sure. creative higher power there, there is a, uh, I'm in touch with the creator inside and I, I, You know, I just got to do it. My my least favorite part of these shows, I love to create the work, but then you got to, you know, PR, you got to, you know, you got to fill the seats. So you got to tell all your friends, keep telling your friends, come see me. And that's the one part I hate, you know, like this, please come see my show, come see my show. So I'm counting on you to do that for me.
0: There we go. Exactly. And also, didn't you feel, I felt this, didn't you feel that people are just excited to be together, to be in a theater, to be, did you have that feeling when you were doing it?
1: Well, you know, uh, we did a workshop in September, and then it was like nonstop laughter, and the opening you came to Saturday it was very quiet and, and it took me about ten minutes I said go, "Oh, fuck, this is you know opening night is like." Dead is a doornail. Um, but you know what? Every audience is different, and you can't face your performance. I'll, you know, a laugh that you got, you know, last time and now. And the difference was last time it was all my friends. Uh, this time it was more of a, a neutral audience. and um, And I've learned over the years that, you know, <clears throat> Even though they didn't have a ha-ha-ha, a lot of ha-ha-ha's, afterwards I got a lot of, like, oh, it, it touched me, or, you know, I thought of this and I thought of that. So, but to answer your question, I think, yeah, I think theater is a real communal thing, and that's why we keep doing it. We need to be in a room together, you know, to 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 process this stuff in a, in a live way to kind of connect to our humanity. I think that's why theater started, you know?
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and all those feelings that you're talking about, they have to go somewhere. So if you weren't doing them in a show or, or channeling them into something creative, Ooh. who knows how they would manifest, right?
1: What would I do? Yeah, I'd have to tie up my partner and punish him and feed him. <laughs>
0: and then make a show out of it. I, yeah, it'd be exactly. good. All right. Uh, can I ask, how long have you been with your partner?
1: Uh, for about uh, 14 years.
0: Rock on. Well done. All right. You picked some questions from the observation deck. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to throw these out to you. Who's been your most surprising fan or fans? People that were right. like into you that you were like, oh, okay, cool.
1: Well, you know, I remember I got a fan letter from Tom Waits once. I thought, wow. That's Tom amazing. Was my show and I was so, you know, and Mark Mothersbaugh from, uh, you know, from Devo. And then, uh, and then God bless Buck Henry. He always came to my shows, you know. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. And, um, God, I can't remember. uh Anybody else, right? Now? <laughs> that's all right, no worries. Um, uh,
0: eh, here's another question What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Although you like those things because they keep it alive. Um,
1: Right. Well, like I, you know, I told you what happened with, the uh, bless all fishes, but you know, back in the day, I, I also, I've had, uh, people walk out on me. Um, you know, I, in my last opening, Blacktop Highway, I did at Red Cat, uh, you know, it was our opening uh, Charles McNulty from the LA Times was there and all of a sudden they, uh, 10 minutes in the show, a massive power failure, lights, everything. So for about 15 minutes, I had to sit there in the dark and just kind of rip and try to be as charming as I could, you know, and I'd guide people out to the lobby you know and schmooze and i got everybody wine wine. you're like the flight
0: attendant on the on the flight that's like (laughs) trying to just vamp and hopefully not everyone's going to die or whatever flight
1: from hell but (laughs) anyway, i got them all back in and i got a fairly decent review from charles mcnulty so
0: there you go exactly that's 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 a huge accomplishment um here's a question who's the most memorable person you've been in an elevator with
1: well, I, I mean, uh, uh, Kathleen Turner. I That's remember,
0: amazing. Uh, her... Body Heats, my favorite I, movie. You were in an elevator with her. I know. Turner,
1: Jesus uh, where were you oh I was rehearsing a, a play in New York uh, to do in uh, Massachusetts and uh, re- rehearsing you know <laughs> around forty second in those buildings they have for theater rehearsals anyways I just got in and and you know we, we had like a ten you know story descent together and I just <laughs> hey and she was you know she asked me what, what are you working on and She was working I think she was working on geez, was it uh, the virgin was afraid of Virginia. Right, she was in that. I saw her in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got that voice. Very kind, very nice, and uh, I don't know, almost flirtatious a little. Really? Wow.
0: I'm not surprised that Maddie Walker from Body Heat. All right. Um, so we're, we're going to remind folks how they can see your show. It's at the Odyssey Theater. What's the best place for them to learn about it? Odysseytheater.com?
1: But odysseytheater.com is the best way, probably. I Tickets love a real cheap, too. You know, like for the price of a glass of wine at a fine restaurant, you can come see some live theater.
0: That's right. And maybe have some wine afterwards. Um, yeah, indeed. I love it. Do you do any of the social media stuff? Is that
1: anything that you yes, do? we. they have a social media person who's been posting a lot. And, you know, I'm doing my little you know, Instagram thing and my <laughs> Facebook thing, but I just can't do it a lot. I just, oh, I just... No, I, I just, hear you. It is like... I have this aversion to like, oh, come see my show. Come see, oh. oh. Right? It never
0: goes away. It never goes away. All of my right. friends that have performed at P-Town are like, the part where you have to stand on the thing and give out oh, the flyers.
1: like they... I can't do that. I, can't.
0: <laughs> I wanted you to say, oh, you know what? I figured out how to do it. I've gotten over that. No, it's always going to be come to my yeah. show, come to my show.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's what it is.
0: There it yeah. is. All right. Um, what's the dream gig? What's something you would love to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Oh, this is a trick question. A dream gig. Yeah. Wow. Or just like. Jeez. I'd like to, you know what, after this, you know, performance art, theater is great, but I'd, I'd like, I'd like to do a nice juicy part in a film. I don't know what, what film, just to balance it out. That, that you know, for me, it's very easy for me to do theater, not easy, but it's just like second nature to it's be like doing get yeah, operatic. But uh, I, I love the challenge of kind of making it as real and, and truthful as possible, you know, with the camera. So that's, that's what I'm, kind of dreaming of to, to happen next. So we'll see.
0: I love it. I, I like to ask people that perform on stage. What's your ritual afterwards after a show? What do you love to do?
1: I have a glass of wine. Yeah, that's your jam. Well, that's kind of yeah. I, 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 you know, of course I hydrate. You know, I, I, I'm a big spitter. I you need know, to hydrate. I right. a nice glass of wine, usually white wine, because when you meet people, you don't want your pe- teeth right. to stain from the red wine. You want you know nice white teeth. So, so yeah, a, a glass or two of wine, never more than two glasses, big glasses. They're about that big. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, I always bring a couple of bottles of wine. We go out on the front porch, and you know, hey, I bring chips, and we just have our little little picnic but yes i love that that aspect of of this whole
0: thing i love that i think that's a wonderful image i think it's a great way to leave it um thank you so much for the conversation i really enjoyed talking to you good luck with the rest of your show and uh, i hope you get that i love talking to you too i hope i hope
1: we get to do it again i love it all right
0: take care john Thanks again to John Fleck. Check out his show, It's Alive. It's Alive! See, that time I did the lowercase into the uppercase. All right, so this happened. I went to the Academy Museum here in Los Angeles for the first time. Um, it opened, I don't know, in the last six months. Uh, it's this big, glorious building on the corner of Wilshire and Fairfax. It used to be the May Company department store. And they've kept sort of a lot of that aesthetic, that sort of um, design on the outside, And, uh, I saw some cool exhibits. I saw the ruby slippers from the original Wizard of Oz. They're a little worse for wear, but they're still ruby-ish and fabulous. And there's a whole room about the Wizard of Oz. So if you're a fan of that, that movie, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to enjoy there. I also saw an ET, one of the ETs and a C3PO and an R2D2. You know who was kind of hot as a, the, the amphibian from Shape of Water. They had the, the live costume for that. And I was like, that's kind of hot. I kind of get it. I totally get it now. Um, there was an Edward Scissorhands costume. That was really cool. Um, it's cool. And a, a welcome addition to the Los Angeles Museum offerings. Um, also, there was a lot. Like, there was a, a, sec- a section about animation. And there were these little... Um, kiosks kind of things that talked about racism in animation and sexism and gender you know like um, body image stuff for women and and how often white actors are cast for people of color in animation and it's sort of Brought this stuff up. And I think some people will look at it and go, gosh, they're trying so hard to be woke. But I was like, no, this is great. I think it's great that they're doing this, that they're finding a place to try to come at all of this history with some perspective and maybe make us think a little bit and not letting everything off the hook. And I think it's great. So if you're in L.A., check out the Academy Museum. It's really cool. And it was cold yesterday and breezy. So the view from up on top, there's this beautiful view it's like a heliport where, you know, you could land a helicopter. It's so fabulous up there. Um, and we had a beautiful day to to enjoy it. All right. Oh, before I let you go, here is a voicemail message that I got from one of my previous podcast guests. He's the poet Stephen Rains. He wrote a book called A Quilt for David that we talked about a couple of months ago. And here's what he had to say.
1: Hey, Dennis. It's Stephen Rains. And this past weekend, I was at a party. And when I told someone I wrote a book, he said, oh, yeah, I heard you on Dennis and And also shortly after the podcast came out, a friend I fell out of touch with who lives in Orlando sent me a message that he found out about my book from your podcast. So thank you very much for having me on. I loved our conversation. And I also love that more people get to learn about David Acker, Kimberly Bergallis, and my book, The Quilt for David. Um, Thank you so much. Bye.
0: All right. Thank you, Stephen Rains, for leaving that fun message. I'm glad to know that the Dennis Anyone bump is real. Um, I keep pretending it is and maybe it is there it is i dream boarded it right into existence all right that's it for this week thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on dennis anyone bye